0: This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford, and I am a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this week's episode, you'll hear from Henry and Lisa, intended parents who are living in Melbourne and expecting the birth of their son through surrogacy in the coming months. Henry and Lisa have a reputation in the surrogacy community for being incredibly supportive of other intended parents and of surrogates. They're also known for their amazing sense of humour, as you'll hear, they kept me laughing. And they also have some advice in this episode for how to look after yourself during your surrogacy journey, whether you're an intended parent or a surrogate. Given the complexities of surrogacy, I think it's really valuable advice. Without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Henry and Lisa.
1: Hi there, I'm Henry and this is Lisa. Hi. And we're intended parents from Melbourne who are 29 weeks uh, today. today oh yes today
0: Woo. with a surrogate in Melbourne from what yes. I know yes
1: yes yes that's Can
0: right we maybe go all the way back then how did you find yourself pursuing surrogacy
1: uh, probably about 12 years no 14. 14 years ago now when we started looking into surrogacy it was about 12 we became pregnant and Lisa, uh lost the baby at seven weeks, but then also carried it through to 12. I
2: had no sign of miscarriage at all. Mm. Um, and got to 12 weeks, went from a 12 week scan and there was nothing. The baby had died at seven weeks. And so that was pretty awful. And then I got really sick. My body went into some sort of weird meltdown after I'd had the curette and, um, yeah, had a whole heap of problems with my lower abdomen and then ended up with diverticulitis and a a, a whole gamut of things that really made me never ever feel the same. My body still doesn't feel like it was how, how, like it was before I actually got pregnant. And um, so from there, we just ended up leaving it for about five years. So I got to well, probably four years. Well, it probably to wasn't even that. that long, yeah. Yeah, um, and then, sorry, then I tried again and we tried naturally and nothing was happening and it was really quite strange because we'd got pregnant quite quickly um, in the beginning. And um, so we decided to go and have it all checked out and then we um, found out that Henry had an issue.
1: Yeah, but this was actually quite some time after that. And so this is mm-hmm. literally in the whole in the in the scheme of years this process it's obviously um you know I guess you'd say the expurgated version but um so he went to the fertility specialist they said um you know do this try that and whatever and you know had a look at Lisa's inside yeah they're <clears throat> fine yeah just keep on soldiering on you'll be right mate and um then
2: well, we thought so, my weight was an issue Well, and then uh, yeah. the, the specialist said it wasn't when, you know, we got all the tests and everything back yeah. and it, it wouldn't have contributed to it at all in any way.
1: Yeah. And then, and then so our specialist, you know, we ended up testing me. I can't remember whether it was his suggestion, Lisa's or mine or whoever's. We'd found out that basically my body creates antibodies, which is what was stopping it. Which is what was stopping the, the conception. So basically, what happened was um, oh, we, we were at a party and a little, yeah, four-year-old hit me as hard as he possibly could where he shouldn't. Well, I mean, yeah, you I've kind know, of had it happen before, and I didn't. I honestly didn't think anything of it. Mm. Um, you know, apart from the fact that I nearly threw up from it. What happened was my dangleberries got ruptured. So therefore my body uh, creates antibodies. So whilst my, and so my sperm is actually, you know, perfect quality, but because of these antibodies, Lisa's body automatically rejects it. So we
2: get it, we can get it, get it slightly the way there. So we can get a bit of a pregnancy (laughs) and then it just collapses at four weeks. So it's right on that. So we had a lot of, a lot of um, near misses, but technically, Mm. The egg, the egg can't be penetrated correctly.
1: Yeah.
2: And so my body goes, oh, foreign object, get out.
1: Yeah. And so so basically our specialist said, oh, you know, here, try uh, prednisolone and then that will hopefully help to counteract the antibodies.
2: And make you feel like rubbish.
1: Oh, well, yeah, because everyone loves roids. And, yeah, so basically that didn't do anything. And this was, again, once we'd actually found that out, Um, he'd said, try this and then, you know, you can up your dosage and this is in between visits and all that sort of stuff. And essentially nothing came of it. And then basically every visit he said, you know, keep soldiering on. You know, you'll be right, mate. Then he Mm -hmm. retired. we got our new specialist. And he said, you know what? Sorry, but you're absolutely wasting your time and money coming here. Um...
2: And also I'd had um, one of my parents from school had been killed on the grounds where I work and I'd been looking after his children at the time and it it had created a lot of trauma for me and that paired with what we were going through trying to get pregnant for so long and everything else. He just said, stop doing this to yourselves. He said, go away. And he said, I don't expect to see you for two years at least to tell me that you've got a surrogate and you also need neck donor. So.
1: And, yeah, so it, it's something that had been spoken of before, but only, you know, brief passing and lease um, well, a lot more knowledgeable about everything yeah. than me.
2: But then I'd also mm-hmm. looked into it because I thought it yeah. was me that was the issue. So I've looked into yeah. permanent care, I've looked into adoption, I've looked into surrogacy, yeah. um, you name know, it, I've looked into it.
0: You often hear people say, well, why surrogacy when there's so many children out there that need adoption? Can you tell me what your experience was when you were researching those options?
2: Yeah, so I found out at my second phone call that I wasn't eligible, A, because of my age and B, because of the waiting list. Actually, there was a C. <laughs> it was also because of my weight. <laughs> so my actual weight is a factor as well because you're classed as a risk to a child. Mm. So we, I'd also had friends at the same time that were going through adoption and they were at, they'd been waiting for three years and they still had another five years to go. <laughs> and so it was the, the adoption side of it um, at that point was a seven-year wait and it still is about that at the moment for people and so um permanent care i thought was going to be something that we could do or fostering i really like the idea of fostering cuz my mum when we were she had six kids and we were all under the age of 8 when she was fostering as well and so i grew up in that environment and one of my um, and my brother is adopted as well so i've i also really like that side of things as far as knowing that there are other options and I think because you hadn't really been exposed to it. No, for, really...
1: for me, I um, I know for me, uh, fostering, um, I honestly would have, I think that I would have struggled with attachment, yeah. you know, having to let the child go. Yeah. But that's also, you know, That's with me having done no research or anything into it, just my own preconceived ideas. Plus,
2: I work in the education system and I'm Mm -hmm. exposed to a lot of it. I see a lot of different families, different cultures that come out of families and Mm -hmm. so I'm open to a lot of that sort of thing and I think that's where all of that research went. But I think you were probably not really as open to the idea because you really wanted me to have a child.
1: Yeah it's it I mean because at that stage we'd have been together for
2: 23 years yeah yeah
1: and and it was something that even now I still struggle with
2: yeah
1: having you know something that I'd always spoken about and it comes up now is um having Lisa's genetics you know having these you know her eyelashes that you can you can hear her blink <laughs> and you know, and and her dimples that I that I see every single time she's with her niece.
0: Oh, you're gonna make me cry. This is too romantic, too much <laughs> for me.
1: And <laughs> yeah. But my niece um,
2: and I sit next to each other and really struggles.
1: And no I don't. <laughs> you don't. I don't. I don't absolutely it. love it. it. <laughs> yeah. Because she's as batty as Lisa is as well. <laughs> <laughs> and...
2: Um, <laughs>
0: So tell me, once you've decided that surrogacy was a path that you were going to consider, did you look at uh, finding an egg donor first or finding a surrogate? Yeah,
2: you know, that was actually quite funny because I said to Henry, "Oh, how on earth are we going to find both? What are we going to do?" And I hen dropped um, me at Kate's house, and I walked in there, and I was I was all right, but I was I was pretty upset, and I was like, first of all, I said to her, "I need a surrogate." And I need an egg donor. And we were mid-sentence and she just said, well, don't worry, just use my eggs, that'll be fine. And did it and kept talking and I was like, what? <laughs> so we had to go back and have a chat about it. And that's the day my life changed. Yeah. Kate was actually my assistant in her, a job, job in a yeah. school, yes. And we, I decided that I was going to leave the school only after a year of being there and... She sort of said to me, well, if you're going, I'm coming with you. And that was the end of it. We've just been friends ever since. So that was 18 years ago. And we're more like sisters than any of my other sisters. And we tell each other everything. We're very close. Um, She is my other half, you know, hen's married to both of us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. On on speed dial, I have, um, I say, you know, call my wife and it calls Lisa. And then I say, call my other wife and it calls Kate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, I um, we are very close. We're all really close. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I think for me, for her to do that, I know, I know her sort of stand on you know, children and family and family is so important to her and it's always bothered her that we haven't been able to have a family and she said, you know, there are people out there that just don't deserve children and I, you know, you too, you deserve children and, you know, you'd be great parents and I think for me that's something that just really sticks with me was when she said that to me was that made such a difference in my life. And then just the fact that, you know, she went ahead and did it. But she also made it very clear that it would only ever be for us because she she wanted us to sort of be a part of her extended family because we already are. Like her children, both of them call us Auntie Lisa and Uncle Hen. Well, Layla doesn't yet, but she will because mm. Lockie calls us yeah. Auntie Lisa and Uncle Hen. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just part of that extended family feeling and hopefully our little boy will you know, be able to call them Auntie Kate and Uncle Jordan and, you know, it's sort Mm -hmm. of like the cousin type thing and that's important to us as well to have that connection and, you know, we've we've really worked hard on all those sort of dynamics in counselling. The counselling Mm has been amazing for that and we've also continued our counselling right the way through our surrogacy journey. Yeah
1: with our fertility specialist and with our own counsellor. And, I mean, I know they've both helped me no end. Um, again, you know, I, for me, in the same way as Lise, but, you know, obviously the way it affects me, the, the genetic, I, I'd say the genetic loss. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it actually was, you know, a part of grieving and that's why I was so stubborn to look into surrogacy. Yeah. You know, not just the surrogacy, but the, you know, the egg donation as well.
0: I think it's really important to hear that voice too, because when donors come forward and say, I'd like to donate, there's often the the rejoicing and the celebration about what's being offered, and perhaps less acknowledgement of what's being lost and the grief might be in the background.
1: Yeah, and 100% and...
2: Well, we saw that difference when we... So between actually having Kate offer And then when we got pregnant, see, I was able to intellectualise the whole thing and understand I knew exactly how I would feel, I knew how to deal with it, I knew where to get the help. But then when Emmy got pregnant, all of a sudden I had the switch and then I was struggling with the genetic side of it and I hadn't Mm. struggled with it at all. And, you know, I do the strange things, sometimes I sit down and i when Kate and Henry are together, I'm looking at them and thinking, now, what sort of genes are we getting here Actually, that was,
1: that was one of the first things. <laughs> I think it must have been when Emmy actually did get pregnant and Lisa gathered as many of my baby photos <laughs> and as many of Kate's baby photos as she could find to see what our little fella's going to look like.
0: When it came to finding a surrogate, I know that you were in the Facebook group and lots of people were noticing Henry and Lisa. So tell me, did you take a particular approach in how to get to know people and putting yourself in the community or did you just be yourselves?
2: So when we first joined, this was a massive thing for us. So we talked and talked and talked about it and tried to work out you know, we either go go for it and give it a hundred percent, and be committed to being active in the surrogacy community, but also letting people, not just surrogates, know who we are. We are, but the fact that Hen and I help a lot of people, and we feel that that was an angle we kind of wanted to take when we went in there was to support others when we were at different stages in our journey. And Henry has just been amazing, but I've struggled with it. At times it's too overwhelming for me and I just have to step right back.
0: Can I ask which parts you find overwhelming?
2: For me, it's because I want to welcome everyone and I want to have... I don't want to just say one or two words like welcome, and not, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm okay with people that do that. But for me and the type of person, and the type of person Henry is, it's important for us, for people, that if we're welcoming them, that they know that we're actually there for them as well, and mm-hmm. that there is a side to us that will help them if they need it. Now, we've had a lot of members reach out to us um, via private messages, and I know. I've helped quite a few people and I know there's been some real struggles behind the scenes that quite possibly surrogates don't actually ever hear about and the intended parents page don't hear about. And I think that there are a lot of people do worry about what people perceive of them and how how yeah. what their opinion is in case it puts a bad light on them or... You know, whereas Henry and I agreed that if we didn't agree with something, we would be gentle about it and just let people know our thoughts, but also that we're understanding of how people
1: yeah. form
2: their ideas.
1: But the other thing is that it, it, um, a lot of what people <clears throat> go through is grief. Yeah. And the whole surrogacy cycle um, for so many people is, it sounds awful, but based around grief. Mm as in from the journeys that they've been on, um, they've now come to a part of their journey where they can, they're able to move forward and that sort of thing. Going back to your question about who we are or how we, how we approached it, we were given some guidance um, from one of the surrogates because we found the, the forum first and then from there found the Facebook page they're both absolutely invaluable tools hmm. for what you go through. But when we did our introduction, we got this.
2: Hang on, before you go to that, we did our introduction about 20 times oh, and yeah. couldn't decide what people needed to know because there was a lot we wanted people yeah. to know. and But we also wanted people to feel. Uh, I think it's that's important is that we wanted people to feel <coughs> how we would be with a child and what experiences our child would be given. Yeah. And so we just, I, I actually just messaged that person and said, Can I shoot this past you? So feel free to say no. And she said, Absolutely. I wish more people would do that. Um, and yeah, her feedback was amazing. And she sort of said to us that by being very present on the page would help us a lot. But also, by the way, because you'd seen how I think we mm. worded things, she said, mm. just be how you are in yeah. what you're saying on the, on the page as yeah. well.
1: It's also about the positivity of our yeah, journey. Yeah, that's
2: our main thing. Um,
1: and this is the thing that a lot of people struggle with is it's a negative journey, but you're now at a positive part of it. And putting that into, into some sort of context is often really difficult. And I think that's what has, that's what has appealed to a lot of people. And I think that's what, that's what actually appealed to Emmy was that, was our positivity.
2: Yeah. And our grammar.
0: And, <laughs>
1: and our grammar. Yeah.
0: So I, I know that your surrogate Emmy, she's, she then approached you at some point. What was that like like the first um, meeting of between you? Um,
2: well, I mean, it was quite strange because I'd had a few people sort of message me. A few surrogates had been just chatting with me. There was nothing, you know, um, happening. But I was just chatting here and there. And I don't know if you, chat, you weren't chatting to anyone, were you? And it was just it was nothing in it. And then I get this message. and I, And I remember... I thought someone had put up a post saying "Stop always welcoming just surrogates," and I thought, "Oh my gosh, am I doing that?" So I thought, "Right, I'm not gonna not gonna say anything to this woman." And it was Emmy. And then Emmy sent me that message, and I looked at the photo and I went, "Hang on, I didn't even say anything. How does she know me?" And
1: yeah, I think I welcomed Henry
2: her. welcomed her, and I didn't realize. Yeah. And um, Emmy just sent me a message and just introduced herself and told me a bit about her story and you know it was it was quite easy the flow was there um there was no expectation to meet or anything like that but we just chatted backward and forward and um emmy was very honest with me from the word go she let me know something about her um approach to being a surrogate and (coughs) Uh, She wanted to know that I was okay with that before we sort of started talking a bit more and um, that's something she can tell you about, Um, which was really important to me, I guess, in the scheme of things now, is because now I understand how honest and open she is. And I guess we put that trust in her. So Mm. that open and honesty has stuck right from the word go. And, yeah, and then when she said, would you like to meet for a coffee? I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, what? I'm actually going to meet someone? It was a bit like dating. I remember when I met her, um, I went over to her house and I just walked in and I was like, oh, she's just like one of my sisters. It just reminded me so much of one of my sisters. And, um, yeah, and then we got talking and then we met again and then um, they invited us to go and have, lunch, I think, with them and meet yep. the kids and we met.
1: I've got to say, that was so, so nice um, meeting them for the first time, um, all of them. It was
2: like we, we'd known them for years. <laughs> like the,
1: all of the kids came up and gave us a hug. Yeah, it
2: was really nice.
1: And I know for me, um, one of the important things is that um, the... You could actually see the the values of the parents in your yeah. children, yeah. And the way that they were such uh, such kind children,
2: and respectful,
1: and respectful, yeah. Um, and to me, that's you know that's what I that's all that I can hope for in our own child mm-hmm. is that he grows up to actually be respectful above anything else yeah
2: Yeah. and i think now that we've gone um now that we're at the other end of it yeah and i've spent a lot more time myself hen hasn't been there as much but i go every thursday and just help me out but being with her children it just it's just made it so much more concrete with what you're saying Mm. that the children you know you can ask them a question and they'll have a conversation with you and they'll they'll actually interact with you mm. and, they mm. know, yeah, and they want to know. Yeah, and they want to know how you are and they tell everybody that Mum's got Lisa's baby in her tummy <laughs> which is really nice. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, we've formed a really, really beautiful bond with their children which I think yeah just shows
0: um, yeah.
2: you know what they're like as well. And they're beautiful parents.
0: Have you talked about post birth expectations about what your relationship will be like with Emmy and her family after the baby's born?
1: <laughs> it's, it, to be honest, it's an ongoing conversation.
0: Yeah. And I
1: don't, I don't think that conversation will end until after he's arrived.
2: Yeah, it's, it's changed. It has changed and it's, um, and it's know, not a not a bad thing. No, no, no. But I think it's, um, oh, but might as well be honest. You know, <laughs> I think, for a surrogate, and you'll be able to relate to this, Sarah, that there's obviously parts of you that know that you will have an attachment, and I guess it's a physiological thing as well. So your brain is telling you that you you know the child's not yours, but your body obviously does some kind of, you know, that predatory thing where you've got to protect. Mm. And so we've all agreed that we... Cause we try and live by a very open communication, <clears throat> all of us, mm. that we'll just see where we're at and how we're going. But one of the main yeah. things for us is that we support Emmy yeah. as much as we can and the kids and Danny by um, we're going to stay right near the hospital for a week or two afterwards so that Emmy has, you know, constant yeah. contact if she needs it.
1: I mean, even though we're only half an hour's drive, yeah, it's... Um, a lot easier to be that close
2: but also yeah. that she's got access to counseling that she's got she's got things that are in place for her that are going to make that transition smooth and helpful to her in her recovery and i think we came to that conclusion that you know we're also getting a midwife to be with us for the first week out at where we're staying so that our, our transition with Emmy is a safe one, it's a respectful one and that we have the ability to be able to do what whatever we need without feeling pressure of, oh, we're new parents, oh, my gosh, how do we balance all of this and, you know, being able to make sure that she's cared for, that she's probably yeah. our main concern, <laughs> concern. Well, because we know that the baby yeah. will, will be fine in our care and we know the baby will be fine with our family. Yeah. But we also need to make sure that... But we also
1: know how much how much of a mindfuck it can be, <laughs> how things just don't make sense no. between the heart and the brain.
2: No. And then we'll have the baby for the rest of our lives Yeah. as well. So yeah. we'll, we've, we've definitely talked about what that will look like um, for all of us and the the baby for us, he will know right from the word, or we're even doing it now because we're wearing <laughs> the belly, <the> belly buds. <laughs> so we're telling him the story of how we all met and how much he was loved by all of us and brought into the world in a in a really different way, but it's just a normal way so that mm. as he gets older, just um, sorry, he's just part of his life. Yeah, there's no surprises. And Emmy is a special Auntie Emmy or... I don't oh. think it'd be, she'd be Auntie Emmy. I think she'd just be Emmy. I don't know. It just yeah. depends. But then she might just say, I want to be Auntie Emmy or go, get away from me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think you're right in that my own reflections are that it can change day to day and week to week and yeah. everyone's open yeah. to whatever those changes are. That's yeah. that's yeah. the best that you can be. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I think. Yeah, and uh, I think we haven't, I don't think anybody's actually said Set any kind of expectations in that. Okay, every um, you know we need to have brunch every Sunday, and then we'll chat. You know, three times a day between twelve and four. Yeah, you know, there there hasn't been any of that, mm. um, and I don't. You know, mind you, that's not who any of us are anyway.
2: No, I
1: think the the most important thing for us is that Emmy knows that we're well there, sorry emmy right. and, and her family no, know that forever. we're there to support her regardless of whether we actually have a child or not with what she's done for us just as a person we want to her well-being is paramount yeah and you know well, the whole
2: not, family is so yes. like,
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah you know, we're not just going to say all right you know we got our little fella off we go. Let's, you know see you around mate
2: <laughs> but there is a part of us also that needs to um you know embrace the new family life at some point yeah But I'm not saying that we forget about everybody else around us, but I think that there is... (laughs)
1: But there's that chance.
2: (laughs) No, but there is that point where... And look, people are just too scared to say it, that really I think sometimes they just want to be able to say, all right, so can we just have a week to ourselves? And I think as long as you communicate that and I think being open and honest from the word go, which we've all been, has been really good. So we've had a few points where we might have, you know, thought that... Emmy needs something, but she doesn't actually need it. And so what we did was we said to Danny, right, if anything's going on there, Danny, will you let us know? And that's been a really useful tool mm. is to have, you know, yeah. um, us all be able to talk. But as surrogates, we know that you're, you literally are like superwomen to us and we know how independent every single one of you are the same. There's not I don't know any surrogate that's not a really independent woman and unfortunately, I think that can sometimes be hard for you to ask for help. I don't know whether you felt like that at all, Sarah, but...
0: I certainly do. And everything that you've just said reflects my experience in that surrogate partners often have to step in and help out to communicate what the needs might be. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it is very hard for the surrogate to put her hand up and say, I'm feeling a bit challenged or I need some
2: support. Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. Their partners are crucial in that regard. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and also because, like, as, as IPs, we don't know.
2: And I think one of the things that I heard at the conference last year was someone said, don't ask us what we need, just do it. And it scared me because <clears> I was thinking, oh, my God, I don't have kids. What do I do? What yeah. do they need me yeah, to do? Yeah, we've
1: never experienced pregnancy. So,
2: I mean, for us, we so tried to do it on our own. And I think we've done pretty well, you know. Yeah. We've cooked a few meals here and there and helped out with the cleaner you know, yeah. on a few occasions when it's been challenging or...
0: I think the comment at the conference about don't wait to be asked, I think it is often because if an intended parent says to their surrogate, well, what do you need? Can they I do? will often go, no, it's fine, nothing, it's, it's all good. Yeah. I mean, in fact, the answer is, can you go, you know, cook some... Yeah. Take or my kids. <laughs> or take yeah, what, without yeah, needing to be asked, yeah.
1: What actually is nothing... <laughs>
0: mm. That's right. That nothing actually means a lot.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I think we've sort of got a
2: gauge on that now at 29 weeks. I think we're, we're we, all we, right.
1: We're getting the hang of it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope.
2: <laughs> we are. Emmy will tell you. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> what Amy. I have a real
0: sense of too is that you're really embracing the fact that surrogacy is very much not just you both creating a family with a child, but that it has to include a donor in this circumstance and a surrogate. And that that means that your experience has to include those people going forward. That I know, for example, my husband and I were able to create a family together, which meant that we could just parent together without having to worry about anyone else. But surrogacy yeah. just doesn't allow for that. There are mm-hmm. other people involved mm-hmm. and you have to all work together to make it work. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, that's particularly true of altruistic.
0: Mm. Yes. That's right. Yes. It
2: sticks to the word. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you have any advice for perhaps intended parents who are just thinking about surrogacy at the moment as a sort of first step? What would you recommend?
2: Um, I think acknowledging that it is overwhelming to step onto the pay to step into the community and to understand that every single person whilst they might not have experienced what you've experienced you know for us we were successful on our first transfer which has now i know that that's been really overwhelming for some of our friends who have been in the same boat and it makes it a bit awkward. But we also know that we need to celebrate that as well because that's, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Um, but to know that there are so many different people, yep, some, tra- some transfers work straight away and some, some don't. And it messes with you no matter what. But as long as you're aware of the messing around with your brain, I think the biggest piece of advice I would give anyone stepping into this side of things is to seek counselling outside yeah. of IVF. Yeah. So you've got a counsellor that keeps things in check or actually any of the IVF counsellors are also really good at, they're generally counsellors on the outside as yeah. well. But for us, I think, you know, and a lot of people don't believe in counsellors, I know that...
1: Well, I, was, I was one of those people. Yeah. But it Look,
2: keeps, your brain, keeps your brain where it should be and yeah. it allows you to go and have a rant to someone and it's not going to go anywhere. And then you find once you're on the page and you've been sort of commenting on things and being respectful to other people and, and helping them get into it, that you go, oh, actually, yes, those tools are working for me and I'm helping other people. Yeah. And, yes... Okay, it's not that overwhelming, and just to take one bite at a time.
1: Look, we, we put up our um our video after the after our 12 week scan, and we left left that as a public video, and it's had quite a few thousand views now. And from that, um, I think every single person mentioned in that video has been approached yeah. about you know a, about surrogacy. Um, for me, just I think two weeks ago. Mm. Um, a friend of ours uh, sent me a message and said, hey, I've got a friend who's pretty much had a very similar story to you. Can I send them your way? Absolutely. Um, And for me, what Lee said about basically looking after yourself.
2: Yeah, your mental um, health has got to come first. That's
1: because if you're no good to yourself, you're no good to anyone else. Um, And that's not
2: saying that we haven't found it challenging. There's been times that I've just... I've felt so overwhelmed by my own emotions of, of grief yeah. and I think it is and, it, and acknowledging the loss of whatever it is because there's so many things surrounding it that um, and also allowing yourself to understand that not everybody understands your grief and your grief might be different yeah. to someone else's and our grief yeah. is different.
1: Yeah, it's like my, my grief is completely different to Lisa's. Yeah. As much as it's exactly the same and it's born of the same circumstances. Yeah. Um, it's so different. And if you can understand your own grief going into it, it makes it so much easier. And I, there was at one stage where I went in, we had a, oh, the second opinion counseling, whatever that's called. Um, yeah, the one I'm talking about where, where you've gone through all of this counseling, all of, you know, like literally months of intense counseling through the process. And then you've got your oh, independent analysis is what it's called. Sorry, not second opinion. <laughs> you've actually gone through all of this counselling and processed your own grief. You thought you've dealt with it, but then you've got this independent assessment and they say, can you relive your last 12 years in these two hours, please? And okay, thanks, off you go. And then you're just left in a heap. <laughs>
2: yeah, that is and, true. It, and it, that's, so um, make sure that you do have a counselling session yeah, that you can go to. Yeah one of the main things that we also decided to do was we felt like the dinners weren't enough and we felt like they were too far apart to make connections and keep connections physically. So that's why we set up the breakfasts and started doing the breakfasts because it felt like, oh, okay, when, that's good. We've got mm. something in between. But that's something for IPs to consider doing in your own area. So, I mean, we've got a couple of people now who live right near us and so we can catch up with them for a coffee or just being able to talk to people about your journey or just yeah. just talking to people in general mm. that have lived the same journey, it quite mm. often makes you feel a little bit more at ease that you're not alone. You
1: know, it's networking for emotional support for each other. Yeah. And that's one of the that's one of the main things that Lisa and I have made sure that we do as much as we possibly can is to support other people. Mm. Um and I think that was that was our main approach. You know, we're in this journey in our own journey, but everybody else is as well. Mm-hmm. And
2: who and needs to work in the surrogacy industry? <laughs> I, I'm, I am so serious. <laughs> it would be great <laughs> for us. It's yeah. so important for I, us to stay part of it because it's I we f- love it. I feel
1: absolutely indebted to that whole community.
2: Yeah, you do.
1: Just for. Yeah, you know, for me, it was very different. You know, being a, being a, a hetero male, it was such a different experience.
0: <laughs> you wanted to be gay sometimes, didn't you? <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I said that just the other day.
0: So that was Henry and Lisa. And as you would have heard, I probably could have kept them going all night. They had a lot to say and really kept me laughing all evening. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram or at Sarah Jefford, Dot com.